And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello there. It's me. It's your local <laughs> basketball friend. It's Eric Corrine from The Athletic. This is Jurassic Pod. And it is, with the exception of a few games still to be played on Thursday night, none of them by the Toronto Raptors, it is All-Star, the All-Star break. We made it. We did it. We did make it. We, we did it. Yeah, we did it. We did it. Uh, joining me. All of those minutes we were playing, yeah, yeah. we really earned this break. Exactly. 40 minutes every night for me. <laughs> uh, joining me on the other line from somewhere else in Toronto, it is Jurassic Pods. <laughs> Winter Olympics correspondent, Holly McKenzie. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm a little tired. We had some skating very early this morning, but yeah, all good. Um, I'm going to be really empty when the Olympics are finished. Yeah. Already thinking about that. Um, I, As we discussed last week, I haven't been nearly as into them. Uh, and like sometimes I'm just got my brother right now who, who works for Sportsnet is doing editing shifts from 1 a.m. to 10 a.m., and he'll just mm-hmm. send like obscure messages into our group chat <laughs> that just say "Wow" from four a.m. or something, and I'm like, well, I, I don't. And I wake up, I'm like, I have no context for this. I, I don't. Under- I appreciate understand. that the group chat is like a place for him to funnel all of that, like those that energy and emotion when he's alone and just needs to like. He knows you're not awake, but it just is that feeling of like needing to share. Yeah, it. no, I get it. Same. I, mean, I do the same on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, exactly. That's what Twitter is for. Um, like I, I try to provide <laughs> some context, uh, but but yeah, it's it's not a daily, but an almost daily amusement to see what I will have to discover happened while I was uh, in my first of seven REM sleeps. Uh, over the night. Uh, the Raptors played on Wednesday night, which is why I cannot watch the... Well, it's not why. I, there are many reasons. Uh, I did not watch the third period of the Canadian women's gold medal win over the United States in hockey, 3-2. Uh, that, Were you writing uh, at that point? Well, I finished and I watched... I, fi- I finished writing. I finished watching the second period. And... Uh, Long story short, we had to take uh, Nico, our cat, or my wife took Aww. Nico uh, to the to a scheduled vet appointment. Uh, but that involves getting her to take some uh, drugs in the morning, so she chills out when she's there. Um, okay. So I, I, we had, and you have to give it to her two hours in advance. Uh, so I was, I had that in mind, and I was wondering, do I want to stay up till one thirty or not? And I mean, right, I was reading right, in bed right, right. anyway, and I saw what the final was. I just, I listen. It actually finished early. Like it finished earlier than that yeah. because I ended up watching the end of the Warriors uh, Nuggets game, which was great. I saw the end of that. the The, the women's game was still going at that point because I saw Monte. Yeah, I saw Monte Morris hit the game winner, and I think that was at the second intermission of the Canadian game. Anyway, okay. Well, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I had the basketball game on. Uh, I had a hockey on. Yeah, amazing. You just—it just has to be the Olympics for me to watch hockey. Yeah. Um, 
good on the women. Marie Philippe. Yeah, they're Pumar, awesome, man. Sarah Nurse uh, and the rest of the team. Uh, that's my favorite thing is learning how many people are tangentially related to Kia Nurse and her nurses, <laughs> nurses, her siblings, yeah. her cousins, her uncles, her aunts, her parents. Like holy, yeah. that family tree, uh, incredible. Yeah, they are uh, good at the sports. And also many things, like they're just also charismatic people who seem like they would excel in any number of fields. Yes, just lovely, lovely powerhouses. Yeah, uh, <laughs> on the same night as all those things happened, uh, the Raptors beat the Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> in, in an equally big moment uh, to head into the All-Star break at 32 and 25. Uh, a much, I mean, not much needed, but a nice win after losing two in a row to end their eight-game win streak. Uh, so they enter in seventh place in the East, a half game behind Boston. Uh, were the Boston Celtics once coached by Dwayne Casey? Because uh, they followed up beating Philly by 48 by losing to the Pistons. So that, that seems like a very Raptors thing to do. Um, <laughs> Listen, I'm also, yeah, I'm going to argue that it was a much needed win in Minnesota because when you lose by 30 to the Pelicans. Yeah. Yeah. It's a must-win uh, after that. So half game behind Boston, one and a half ahead of Brooklyn, uh, 10th in offensive rating, 13th in defensive rating. <clears throat> Since we last talked to you, uh, we're talking to you a little later than planned, uh, but it works out well because we get, we do have this natural break in the schedule to assess things. Uh, the Raptors won in Oklahoma City fairly comfortably uh, in as comfortably as a game. And it's, it was as comfortable as a game can be in which Pascal Siakam played 41 minutes or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they won in Houston, 139 to 120, lost by one point to the Denver Nuggets and uh, Nikola Jokic doing Nikola Jokic things. Uh, he did those things again last night in Golden State, as we alluded to. Uh, the aforementioned loss to the Pelicans, which is right up there for... I mean, I guess non-Pistons division for the worst Raptors game <laughs> of the season. Uh, and then finish it off with a win in Minnesota, 103-91. Before we get to uh, the specifics and where we stand, uh, the big moment we missed over the week was the trade deadline, which happened a week ago from when we were recording. The Raptors got Thad Young and a second round pick, uh, as well as Devin Eubanks, who was promptly waived. Uh, for a lottery protect, I mean, what amounts to a lottery protected first round pick uh, this year, if it doesn't convey, it becomes next year top 13 protected. And if it doesn't convey, then it becomes two second round picks. Uh, for So for that pick and Goran Dragic, uh, what was your initial reaction? And how do you feel now that you've seen him play, but also now that you got to see the deadline play out, what moved, what, or who moved, who didn't, what type, <laughs> they are people, uh, yeah. which, which as we've discussed, <laughs> the trade deadline makes you forget. Uh, so your overall uh, thoughts. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I hate the tra trade deadline. That's, as that's been discussed. established. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm pleased with it. You know, uh, I, going into the deadline, I don't think that that was what I like. That wasn't a name that I had expected to end up in Toronto, but I am a big fan of that. I think he's just, he's super, super, super close with former Raptor CJ Miles, which to me kind of says Stamp everything about approval. who he is yeah. as a person because, you know, CJ is up there at the top, top of the people. list of NBA, yeah. NBA dudes you want on your team, in your locker room to talk to, to interview. Yeah, CJ's great. Uh, Thad 
is also great. And I think he'll fit into the locker room really well. I think he's a really smart player. Even though he's only had a couple games with the team, you're already kind of seeing him figure out things. You saw it last night in Minnesota. Um, not a surprise. Like, he's a veteran, but nice to have. Uh, and, yeah, I don't think you can ever have too many, like, really smart, great veteran locker room guys. Um, it, yeah, I mean, I think, again, the issues that we had talked about, um, just having like a crazy sharpshooting three and D guy. I mean, that's difficult to get the guy that I think fans were dreaming about. I mean, none of those <laughs> um, guys or, really moved. That's the thing. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, the price is very yeah. high. So yeah. And then, um, a lot of other people wanted the team to, you know, get a big, get a center. Um, but I, I think I'm happy with, with the move. Um, Pleasantly surprised and happy. What about yeah, you? Yeah, at the beginning, I was like, "Really, we're doubling down on this sort of style?" And and, and this is coming from but they are. <laughs> from, this is coming from someone who's like admired Thad Young's game for a while. I thought he was like really good for the Bulls last year, um, mm-hmm. and obviously in a different situation in San Antonio this year, they're steering toward the future. Um, but I, I so initially when I was like, "Oh, they're giving up a pick." Uh, it, it sort of, it, it confused me a bit, but at the end of the day, like, you're giving oh no. up fifth. Oh no, oh no, he, w- he went to at the end no, no, of no. the day. No, 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 at the end, this, <laughs> it's more positive than that. Like, okay. I do, I, I do get it. Like, you're giving up 15 spots in the draft or so, which isn't nothing. I don't mm-hmm. want to say that, but, you know, the Raptors have... You know, rightly or wrongly, uh, they believe that they are very capable in the draft and are capable of finding uh, productive players wherever and in a weak group. Uh, Maybe Mm -hmm. they think what they value will be as attainable or nearly as attainable at 32 uh, or 31 as it would be at 16 or 17. Uh, Obviously, track records overall don't show that, but... You know, this isn't about overall, this is about one specific case. So I was surprised that a first round pick went for Thad Young. But when you think about the second round pick coming back, it makes sense. And then Mm -hmm. when you view Young as sort of first and foremost, an upgrade over the minutes that, as I wrote in my column that day, that that day were or usually were not going to Svi, Mikhailuk and and Yuta Watanabe, that's a plus when you look Mm -hmm. at it as insurance for you know literally anybody except for van vliet or (laughs) trent getting injured that's a Mm -hmm. good thing and then you get his bird rights which i don't think are terribly valuable (coughs) given his age but like it is another player who you can bring back in addition to still having the mid-level exception uh the full Mm -hmm. mid-level to use next year uh, and possibly bringing back Chris Boucher. So I, I know, you know, there's a lot of talk about what they didn't do, the rumored trade that would have brought uh, Taylor Horton Tucker and, and maybe Nerlens Noel, that, you know, more traditional rim-running, rim-protecting center. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were talks about Nick Claxton uh, that uh, the Raptors didn't end up making that trade. That might have solved some of their center problems, but they would have had to sort of figure out what to pay him in the offseason. And, uh, you know, I think part of the Raptors' evaluation was very clearly they didn't want to take on uh, money beyond next season. 
mm-hmm. when Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. could be up for some uh for for new contracts. So I get it. You know, it's it certainly doesn't address their biggest need, but at the <laughs> price they paid, it is an you know, it is a tangible upgrade over and and not only that, but a potentially meaningful upgrade over what they were getting out of that roster spot, which was obviously mm-hmm. nothing. Um, mm-hmm. And Thad looked right, as you mentioned. Uh, he looked he looked like he belonged against Minnesota uh, as both mm-hmm. like a connecting passer, a guy who can do a little bit more off the bounce. Uh, a little bit, a little bit more reliably than some of the Raptors' other players, uh, and yeah, like he's when you're when you have a bunch of those players who play like that or aspire to play like that, it's good to have somebody who has done it for since 2007. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I would give it like a solid B or B minus, like as a trade, like it's a good a fine move and it makes sense to me and i'd prefer that they did it versus didn't do it but it sure it's versus a, not doing yeah it. but it certainly yeah. did not you know the the first two games or not not so much a denver game but the two road games we just saw we saw like how poor the half court offense was at varying times uh the raptors went 31 minutes without a three against uh new orleans uh or no sorry against minnesota while still winning that game uh so yeah there are holes uh but i'm generally on the plus side i think i'm glad i would have been upset if you were you were extremely negative yeah it's just hard because like this was their chance to add to add a player both for this year and next year and it's just Mm -hmm. not precisely what they needed at the same time i don't think it's like a wild overpay uh, it, it makes sense right. to me. That's the thing to get to to get what you know people were hoping for. They would have had to make that decision, and I think it's better that they didn't, for the reasons you. Just yeah, mentioned. and if they had given up the first round pick without getting that second round pick back, and it's it belongs to Detroit, so it's going to be you know thirty mm-hmm. first or thirty second or thirty third, mm-hmm. like that would have been concerning, I think. Uh, and I understand why the team does feel relatively confident in their ability to find guys in the draft like it it, around you know yeah around that spot they've they've been i I mean flynn is the closest to that and that as a uh, Mm -hmm. i mean i i don't want to say his career has been determined yet he hasn't been a success yet but they've had successes you know in the Mm -hmm. late to mid 20s uh, which isn't that different from the 30s. They've had some second round successes, you know, Delano Banton so far this year. And that was afterward at 45, I think. Um, I always get confused. I think it was 40. Because he, does he wear 45 or 46? Um, he wears 45. So I think right? he was picked 46. Like I, I invert the the two numbers. Um, anyway, uh, so they, I mean, the Raptors aren't a perfect drafting team, just like, uh, you know, they're not perfect in any other aspect, but their track record is better <laughs> than it is, than better than most of its competition. So I yes, get it. Yes. Makes sense. Not what you want. Uh, not not what you want in terms of like a perfect fit. Um, it wasn't the big splashy move that everyone was like hoping for to get super excited about, but I think it was a, it was a positive addition and... 
that's sometimes all you can hope for on the deadline day. You don't really know how it's going to unfold, what prices are going to be, who's looking to move. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good. So based on everything else that happened on trade deadline day or or leading up to trade deadline day, uh, we had Cleveland (laughs) adding Karis Levert. We had obviously the huge Ben Simmons, uh, James Harden trade. We had Milwaukee. I still can't believe so many things relating to that deal. We had Milwaukee adding another chef in the kitchen and Serge Ibaka. Uh, oh, wow. getting rid of Dante DiVincenzo. And I, I sort of think they're a bit, sh- not that D- Divan- DiVincenzo is amazing, but like they don't have much that the way that the Raptors have like no sort of wing shooting and that type of perimeter player, though the Bucks are now relatively short mm-hmm. on it uh, beyond mm-hmm. Beyond their starters and Grayson Allen and and there's not I know I miss it Pat Connaughton who I think got, promptly got injured um, for a championship contender I mean they don't have much uh, does anything that or, or how did everything that happened at the deadline really did, does it make you think that much has changed for the Raptors in regards to this year Yeah um, I mean I think the biggest thing is just the Sixers like looking at what they, how they will look, what they will become. Um, you know, you already have Joel Embiid and now you have Harden <laughs> added to that mix. Like, I don't know how that's going to work, but it is interesting. And I think the biggest thing, honestly, one of the biggest things for the Raptors that I've been watching, even though I don't want to watch it, <laughs> uh, has been the Celtics. They've been incredible. Oh, yeah, it's that was a big weird. one. And I like I like Derek White. Uh, I don't think, like, mm-hmm. he was a perfect fit for either the Celtics or the Raptors, but he's certainly, like, a good, solid, you know, second or third yeah. guard. And that's that's big. The Celtics were on fire doing the old Raptors thing uh, against mm-hmm. not great competition until they did the other old Raptors thing, as I mentioned, and lost <laughs> to the Pistons. Right. Yeah, no, they've been awesome. So um, I think that's like where I'm kind of focused right now is like what's going to happen with Philadelphia. And I've just been unable to look away from the Celtics as much as I don't love watching the Celtics. Yeah, and the Nets the Nets are just so intriguing. I mean, first of all, because they're yeah, eighth, which nobody saw coming. But, you know, when <clears> they get <throat> if and when they get a healthy Durant back and Simmons presumably joins around then. So who knows? Maybe it's the Raptors back to back against the Nets also- at the end of the, the I feel like these things like you remember Kobe came back from his Achilles to play mm-hmm. the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Steph Curry came back from his broken hand to play the Raptors. It feels like Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons would like return and come back to play the Raptors. That just feels like a thing that would happen. It just feels right. Uh, oh, I was going to tell you something, and now I can't. I can't remember what it was. Damn it! Keep talking. Uh, anyway, I, you back. know how they improve. Uh, I mean, I you can't underestimate getting Seth Curry, even though like he struggled recently in Philadelphia. Like I think that's a huge piece for them, predict particularly without Joe Harris. Uh, so they're again, as I said, a game and a half behind the Raptors, and, and I think. If and again, if and when Durant comes back healthy, you expect them to go on a bit of a tear uh, the rest of the way. Uh, but 
Also, yeah. also the way the standings are right now, like, you know, who knows how it's going to shake out at the end, but the top teams in the East could be in for a really tough first round series <laughs> if things kind of stay as they Well, are. yeah, like one of, like, think if you just think of it this way, one of Chicago, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and uh, I'm missing one team. Did I say Chicago? Miami. Miami, Chicago. Miami, Chicago, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and oh, people are just screaming at me who the other team is. Milwaukee. Well, we can't just keep on saying teams. Uh, like, like <laughs> I don't know. What Milwaukee, to- <laughs> Chicago, Brooklyn, Miami, and Philly. Yeah, one of those five teams isn't going to the second round, and I think, like, given the way the ball... Okay, I didn't know what point you were trying to make, so that's why I was like, I don't know where... So one of those teams is losing in the first round if they get to the first round. Obviously, some of those teams could, you know, lose, theoretically lose in the play-in tournament, so... And that would be a massive disappointment, I think, for any of those teams. Maybe. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you know... Yeah, the East East is good. It's weird. Uh, It's like... And, like, the Raptors and the Celtics, at the very least, are legitimately, <laughs> like, I don't want to play those teams' teams in, in the first round. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, Atlanta is super talented, <laughs> you know, and Charlotte can <laughs> – I'm not the biggest Charlotte fan, but they can certainly, you know, put up 130 on you, no problem. So, they can put up 130, but they'll give up 150. Exa- so. Exactly. Like, so, I, I mean, I think <laughs> – you know, right now, the as we speak, the play-in would be Toronto and Brooklyn for the seven-eight or for the seventh seed, and then Charlotte, Atlanta for the nine-ten game, and you know the winner of that versus the mm-hmm. loser of Toronto, Brooklyn, playing for the eighth seed, and like those are four pretty. I, I mean, I think I would say they're two good teams, and then two interesting teams that have a lot of ways teams, have, yeah. like a, that have a lot of ways to be, win a game. Um, yeah, for so, sure. The playoffs in the East, the first round and the play-in will be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, and I remember what I was going to yeah, say yeah. when you said wild. It reminded me, you know what else was wild to me? That the deadline day fell on the same day as the all-star drafting of the teams. Oh, my God. I mean, what a come highlight. on. The NBA. Kevin Durant. The NBA knows drama. Kevin Durant's <laughs> performance in not picking James Harden was like... You know the Oscar not oh. the Oscar nominees came out this week, and uh, you know best short film. I, I, I don't know their best supporting actor. Uh, incredible, just, just the straightest just of faces. Incredible. Uh, as he gave the complete strategic uh, breakdown of why he was taking Rudy Gobert <laughs> over James Harden. Uh, you know, props to LeBron and Charles Barkley for their work and and just sort of egging him <laughs> on and laughing, but Durant just killed it. Man, uh, the NBA always just has these amazing. I don't even know if they're coincidences, but just where things fall, like, and there's always like after a trade, two teams will end up facing off against yeah, each other. I mean, like the trade you know, deadline's always-, always on a Thursday, and like Thursday is the NBA's day of the week, right? Like after NFL ends, like it, everything's about. You know, there there are the Saturday night games on ABC or ESPN, but really, like, mm-hmm. TNT Thursday is sort of what we've been dealing with for years, so... Listen, it's been TNT Tuesday this week and this year, up until this point. Yeah. Well, Have you noticed well, that? Well, that and was because they it. were avoiding the NFL for a long time. I know, but it was so confusing, because every time that would happen, I would think it was Thursday. Yeah. 
Um, and then I wake up the next day and it's not Friday, it's Wednesday. But as we've discussed, what are days? Um, so, True. back to the... Oh, and Fred Fred will be playing with Jamar in the All-Star game, so that's fun. But that's not new, is it? Anyway. No, well... It is fun. They, uh, it is new, isn't it? Because they just drafted the teams. But Fred was already... they dra- Oh, they're on the same team. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> I don't mean they're both... I, fr- I, I frankly have no idea who's on every team, except that James Harden is not on <laughs> is Kevin not Durant's on team, Katie's and now he's not team. playing. So uh, that's all I know. Oh, my goodness. Um, I love the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly, after the loss to New Orleans, uh, the the... Not very good, very bad loss to New Orleans. Nick Nurse said, uh, and Jonas Valanciunas sort of had his way against any number of people. Uh, Nick Nurse, I think that it's something we're going to have to evaluate just a little bit. When we do come up against a big, really big, a really big, big like that, are we going to stay the <laughs> way we are or are we going to try to match one of our centers with them a little bit more? I think we have to evaluate. So, I mean, that's obviously not committing, but committing to thinking about uh, changing the starting lineup for specific matchups. Where do you land on that? (sighs) Well, I think I would land... um, And and just against Minnesota, Kem Birch started because Fred Van Vliet was out, so that wasn't really a, you know... Anything to do a with change anything. In yeah. anything. Yeah. Well, I do think that having Kem back and once he get, is able to get rid of the mask, which has to be infuriating to play with because it looks extremely annoying. I do think that that will help in that regard. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a tough situation when you've made the decision that this is the style of play and the kind of roster you're going with. Um, that's great until you end up with a team where you have a JV or something that you're trying to match up with. Um, not really shocked though. I feel like, I feel like prior to most of this season, what we've seen from Nick has always been in like, uh, like he's always wanted to switch things up game to game or like be really flexible and never really commit to something. So, what a millennial. um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I mean though like he's always been like we'll see we'll take yeah. things as they go you know uh, so I kind of feel like it's just going back to that um, but again it would be an easier thing to match up if they had gotten maybe a big in the like a traditional big in the um, Tra- the in, trade deadline what am I saying in at yeah. at the deadline but they didn't yeah. um, what did you think or what yeah I mean I've this is something Nick has talked about for years uh, and like, he's always like, yeah, I don't mind changing my starting lineup from game to game. It doesn't need to be set. Mm-hmm. And then like, he never does it. So like, I'll, that's my short way of, or long way of saying I'll uh, believe it when I see it. it but I, see I, I do like sort mm-hmm. of fundamentally believe in it. Like just because like, it's not good for anybody if OG picks up two early fouls because he's mm-hmm. the guy who has to guard Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, and you know, I, I have no doubt that those smaller lineups will get some minutes. Like even if they're against bigger, uh, bigger lineups or, or a bigger center at least. But you know, just doing it from the start maybe puts your guys in a position where they can't impact as much of the game as possible because foul trouble happens. So I, I'm. I think I'm for it, and I think Kem Birch is probably the guy, and I think mm-hmm. Scotty Barnes is probably the guy to go to the bench in those situations. 
Uh, we had a uh, somebody responded to my Twitter asking uh, about Scotty Barnes going to the bench. Like, I, I think I would still roll with his starting lineup, save for, you know, a matchup against one of the 10 or so, like, really scary big men in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I... I still feel like the biggest thing will probably be keeping the lineup the same, but just making quicker... But they're already um, sort of doing that. Like, like the first sub usually happens within four or, like, five minutes uh, yeah. at, at the first time out at, like, the latest. But, but the problem is, like, when, you... when OG has two fouls, like, you, it's already yeah. too late. You like, you've already sort that? of... Yeah minimize what OG can do in a game, you know? I think similarly to what you were saying, I'm just used to Nick always saying this, but then kind of keeping the lineup the same mm-hmm. and just like making adjustments yeah. as the game. So I on. would, but yeah, yeah, in short, like I would be for it. I'm skeptical about how much it will actually happen. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I think, like you said, the move that I probably expect to see are, are some proactive early substitutions maybe at one foul versus waiting for the second foul versus the two um, yeah or we have chem in there to start yeah uh yeah uh so it is the all-star break and uh that leads me are you excited I, are you excited about the all-star break I, the break oh um i'm did you see the zoom last night because josh lewenberg asked pascal siakam that question and i didn't uh, i didn't and, see uh it. and pascal went are you looking at me in zoom right now it only works if you're looking I, at I am yes a huge grin okay yes is that you that you was pascal that, that was pascal saying uh does it look like i'm excited i'm excited yeah i'm excited uh my back started to hurt yesterday <laughs> I'm like it knows it's it knows, it, We're now it knows the- it's the All Star break. Like my back was just waiting to die on me until I could like get a few days to just lie down. Uh, so again, my body. So is that your plan? You're gonna lie down. You're gonna lie down on the couch, bed, floor. What's the I, deal? I do like lying down on the floor. Um, I thought you did. There is yeah. something. I feel like you've said that yeah, before. Um, and like I feel like couch is not necessarily very good for you know, restorative purposes. Uh, but, you know, I'll be using the heating pad liberally. Uh, that's exciting. But uh, beyond me, who do you think needs the All-Star break the most? Pascal Siakam, who has played 40-plus minutes in nine of his last 11 games. OG Ananobi, who has shot 14 for 45 in his last, I put five games, maybe it's four games. <sighs> Or Scotty Barnes, who I, I think we can fairly say his impact is certainly waning more than it did on a game-to-game basis uh, compared to early in the season. So you have to pick one of those three. Who needs it the most? Who do you? Well, I who think do it's you Fred, most want? But... Well, I mean, but he's playing in the All Star game and shooting in the three. But he's game. missed the last one game. Two, one. The last one game. But he left one game and a quarter. Yes, and a quarter. Yeah. See again, days do not and matter. And he missed uh... the game in. Houston, I believe, uh, with a uh, quote groin injury. Yeah, groin injury that I think we're we're putting in quotes as he acknowledged. He's like, I have, I think the basic subtext was, I have like nine injuries. We list a different one of them. But the knee injury, I think, was legitimate because Nick Nurse talked about how he he mentioned it uh, specifically to him at halftime of that uh, New Orleans game. Uh, So after Fred, who will obviously be getting some work in, but 
even if he's at All Star Weekend, it's not exactly heavy work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who needs it the most? And then the team doesn't play till Friday, so they actually do have like a pretty good break. Break yeah. after, so that's good. Uh, and for the guys who aren't there, it's like a full week, which is awesome. Uh, I'm gonna say Pascal, um, just because he's been taking such a huge load the since he's returned and he's been doing so many things and his minutes have been extremely high. Uh, but I definitely think everyone will benefit. And I think Scotty will probably see the impact of the break in a positive way, the most on Scotty, just because I feel like at this point in the season, rookie legs have to be feeling the weight. You? Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. OG's play just hasn't been. I knew you were going to say OG's standard over the last few weeks. So I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like you know, try to get an honest assessment of how he's feeling out of OG and Anobi. Like you can spend your time better, I think, uh, by doing anything else. Uh, but <laughs> I, I guess I'm hopeful that he needs it the most because that would suggest mm-hmm. the greatest potential growth for the team, if that makes sense. Good answer. Um, I like it. He just, like, spending so many minutes or, or guarding centers and yeah. then, like, so many... And, like, having to battle. And, like, post, yeah. posting up himself, like, like, a lot. And he's just, you know, the shots aren't falling for him. And that might have very little to do with... Did you notice in the with... Minnesota game? Go on. Sorry. Did you notice in the Minnesota game there was a moment where, I mean, Patrick Beverly was just being <laughs> Patrick Beverly, but uh, I, I don't know exactly what preceded it, but like on the broadcast, you saw Scotty like pull OG back. <laughs> like OG was really mad and you rarely see that kind of like emotion or like aggravation. I think, from that, was, on the court. I think that was after he got the flagrant, right? Like I maybe I'm I, wrong, but uh, Patrick Beverly gave him a forearm shiver to the uh, mm-hmm. upper chest slash lower neck uh, on, on a screen. And uh, OG responded by uh, trying to seal him off by throwing those hips into Patrick Beverly. I, I think, you know, both were guilty of a lot 
one got called for more than the other, and we'll, we can leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, Listen, yeah, I know you're not supposed to officiate based on reputation, but I feel like if you're seeing a guy make a move like that on Patrick Beverly, you kind of have to know that it's a retaliation move. No. Yeah, I think like Patrick Beverly just and we're, we're going to talk about Gary Trent soon. So this is a fine way to segue, like starting off the game by being annoying is a good way of like setting the baseline um, to allow the rat like. Like, I'm going to be annoying all game. Are you really going to call everything against me? Like, I think that has to be Patrick Beverly's, like, sort of mindset. Uh, like, this is me. This is what I'm doing. You can't call nine technicals on me. Uh, although, you, I mean, you could call two, and then that would be that. Uh, but, but, like, <laughs> I, I think there is some method to that madness of I'm going to be a pest and let's really see if you're going to do anything about this officials. Uh, I did think that beyond that, I thought that was one of the worst officiated games I've seen this year. Uh, And that, you know how rarely I'll say that because I think it's Mm -hmm. such a lazy Mm -hmm. myopic way of viewing a game. Um, But I I thought, and and I thought the Raptors were pretty, hurt by it to be honest um mm-hmm. and that they won is nice but but yeah patrick beverly certainly an irritant he crossed the line for me when he shoved uh chris paul in the playoffs last year like that was sort of the moment where i was like because i had really liked watching patrick beverly i really like his story you know i just thought he's super energetic kind of guy that you want on your team like even though he drives you nuts if you're not playing against him but that like the booker stuff in that series last year um and then the way that series kind of concluded where he shoved chris paul from behind yeah uh i i don't remember the exact incident but i remember it being a thing yes that was kind of that was that for me. Yeah, so that's fair. But, get, uh, both yeah. Raptors who uh, interacted with him uh, strongly uh, stayed in the game and the Raptors won. So uh, yeah. living well is the best revenge, Holly. Uh, speak, oh, speaking wow. of living well, I'm just going to let you go off oh, on man. Gary Trent and his whole night on, on Wednesday. Like whatever you want to talk about regarding Gary Trent, whether <laughs> it's his 30 points, whether it's the Patrick Beverly thing at the beginning, whether it's his dad and his fur coat. Um, whether it's his dad, his fur coat, and the camera, the phone in his hand, constantly taking videos from his courtside seat of his son, but never cracking a smile, never celebrating, just being cool, cool, cool while watching his son uh, light things up. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, my favorite moment was not in the game at all. It was Gary Trent Jr.'s interview with Nikki Reyes after the game. Uh, she asked him about his father's outfit. And you mentioned it on Twitter that he immediately started talking in two times speed. Uh, it was crazy. It was like, it was like it was our prepared like riff that you would have, like just, just like hyping up someone's outfit. It was incredible. He named every, every piece of the, article yeah. and piece and accessory. Uh, and it was just so delightful. Um, but also before Nikki got to the question of the outfit, when she just talked about, you know, your dad's here courtside the smile on Gary Trent Jr.'s face was 
such a lovely moment. It was just so sweet. And obviously he had, in addition to his father, he had um, a bunch of his family and one of his close friends. I'm sure he had more than one of his yeah. close friends, but a bunch of family and friends were there. So it was awesome for them to get to see him. Because again, we've been in a pandemic where people haven't been going to games and getting to see people. So for them to get to see him have a game like that uh, with the Raptors after he's had this amazing run with them this year uh was just awesome uh he was great and gary yelling at the opposing bench will like i can't tell you how much it fires me up <laughs> like i just love it like i'm on my couch doing nothing and just feel like i'm ready to like let's go rumble <laughs> yeah literally literally yelling at my tv like yes gary because uh, he's just so passionate yeah, I have, and it's, i have two tra- it's, two tangents on that the first is that gary trent is spending his all-star break he said in minnesota uh with his family so that's cool. why he's doing it but like that's like admirable and surprising. Like I, I, you know, I kind of can't believe it. But as you said, it's been a pandemic. That he's not going to like, like, a like beach, just bring your whole like... family to a beach. But like, good for him. Like, you don't want to uproot everybody's life just so you can have a nice all star break. Like that. That's. I, I mean, that's cool. Uh, no, that is really cool. my second. And it's very Gary. Like you can just tell the thing that I really and I unfortunately because of the pandemic and everything else that's going on and the lack of locker room access right now i haven't really gotten to talk to gary one-on-one at all i don't know i'm guessing you probably have at this point just on the phone like for the feature i wrote about him and his dad last year but beyond that like the first time i met him in person was at was at summer league and uh masai introduced him to me and like in my head i was thinking oh yeah like i covered this guy and wrote a feature on him but i'm just now (laughs) meeting him that was a weird experience it's weird right it's a very weird um process the way things have unfolded but yeah i haven't gotten to like talk to him one-on-one at all but the one thing that always stands out to me in his zooms and like post-game interviews and you know whether it's on tv or like the actual zoom where he's speaking to the media um he's so like humble yes like when he's speaking about his own game he always deflects to other people to the training staff his coaching staff his teammates but he's so giving of his time which i really appreciate like it doesn't matter what the question is if it's about his current performance if it's about something in the past if it's you know if it's about his dad his teammates he is always like willing to really engage and he's very thoughtful and i know he's you know quieter than maybe a Fred or, uh, you know, a player that like we're used to being the quote, but I really, I don't know. I just really admire the way that Gary treats people, including media who really, you know, it's not like we're doing much for him. <laughs> we we can't really like further his whatever, but um, yeah, I really, I just, I have a really big soft spot for Gary Trench. Uh, he's certainly a fun type of personality to uh, have on the team you're rooting for. I I imagine Raptors fans are really enjoying his season. Uh, My second tangent on that is I was on, I was reading a column by a writer uh, today uh, and on that website, uh, the ad at the top was, this feels very low. Oh, okay. The ad at the top was for Prada accessories uh, led by Uh. the the (laughs) basketball that he wore that one game as an accessory. Uh, And I thought that was funny. He's extremely fun. And that's it. It's this blend of like this really fun, exciting, like over the top character. Yeah. But then he also is like really thoughtful and sweet. And it's such a it's such a neat mix. The way you presented that, I thought you were going to talk about the article without mentioning the 
the site or the author. And I was like, this is weird. I wonder well, what it's it going to be. Actually, it wasn't like, about it was, the article it was at political, all. political, and I don't feel like getting into a political Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It wasn't yeah, about yeah. the story. wasn't about the article yeah, at yeah. all. It was about the, the Okay. Ads. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, Gary Trent, fun, good, uh, enjoyable. The Raptors, let, let's take a deep breath. Uh, we know where they are. We know that they're, I mean, I would say, and Las Vegas would say, considering their over-under was, I think, 35 and a half wins, and they're now mm-hmm. at 32. Mm-hmm. They're ahead of expectations. Uh, so going into the second half, uh, where are you with this team? Just overall, and and if you want to name a concern or two, feel free to go ahead. Yeah, uh, I feel I'm pretty good, honestly. I mean, I know that it's easy to look at the stretches that have been disappointing, um, especially coming off that Pelicans loss. I'm so glad that they're now going into the break with a win as opposed to that because that was just like a really bad taste. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think at the beginning of the season, if you would have told someone, you know, at the break, this is going to be their record. I think everyone would have taken that, especially if you told them Pascal's going to miss this much time. You're going to have this many games together with like your core. Um, Scotty Barnes is going to have this kind of a start, like a great start, but then like taper off a bit and obviously kind of, I hate to say the rookie wall, but like feel the season. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think everyone would have taken that. Kem is going to have 18 different injuries and, and a broken nose, unfortunately. Like, yeah, I think anyone would have taken that. Uh, Drogic isn't going to appear. Yeah. You're going to have <laughs> like gonna just gonna no perimeter. You're going to have no perimeter <laughs> players off the bench. Just, just, yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to have a six-man rotation for, yeah. Yeah, for like, for uh, like no, three weeks every- in January and February, you're going to play six and a half players. <laughs> and health and safety protocols, that nightmare that was in December. Like, I definitely think all of those things considered, the team is in a really good position um, when you factor in those things. Uh, but yeah, the biggest, I mean, you say beyond injuries, but I think the biggest thing, like, you mentioned it in that Minnesota game <laughs> when Fred Van Vliet is on the bench or if he's not available, the team can go 31 minutes without a three pointer. And that is definitely a concern. Yeah. And you know, I if think if you're not hitting threes, you're going to, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And like it became particularly notable as, as OG Ananobi's play has like sort of dipped over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Like it's Fred, it's Gary and it's nothing. Like, like, I mean, Chris Boucher and, and Precious. But then you have Chris and Boucher Precious, and Precious like, coming in huge, hot in the yeah, fourth quarter, which was incredible. Threes, but like, you're not feeling good about those opportunities. And it's not going to change. You know, those threes in isolation are huge, but the reality is they're, they're not going to change the, defense, the way yeah. anybody's defending <laughs> you at any point. So, I mean, that's my way of saying it's still the half-court offense. It's still the thing mm-hmm. we thought would be the concern. Would That's the still problem, the concern. Yeah. They, you know, according to Synergy Sports, and this was in my uh, column at The Athletic, uh, saying that... Subscribe uh, to The Athletic. Yeah, sure. Uh, do that. Um, they are 25th in half-court offense, and they are 32 and 25. <laughs> the five teams behind them in half-court offense are 92 oh, no. and 201. So, like, that... Wow. And if memory serves, it's the Pelicans... Pistons, Rockets, uh, maybe the Magic and Thunder. Like those, I think those are the five teams. Um, did I say Knicks? The Knicks are definitely one of them. Anyway, 
You did it. Okay, so I, I maybe the magic are ahead of them. I don't know, but the point is the teams are bad, and, and that like simultaneously <laughs> says like Nick Nurse is doing a great job with with, yeah. with like and getting the most out of this roster, and that's like I think at the heart of your first answer, which is like things are going pretty well. Like you know, mm-hmm. considering everything that happened, considering the limitations on this roster, things are going well, but. If you're looking toward the playoffs and, you know, the playoffs are sort of a bonus for this team and any playoff games they get to play. Like, I think this team expects to be in a playoff series this year and mm-hmm. they expect to compete in it. But if they expect to do more than compete, if they expect to really make noise, really scare one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, they've got to not necessarily fix the half court offense, but they've got to go from like, <coughs> One, they've got to go from bad to slightly below average. And mm-hmm. I was going to say average. Yeah, no, yeah. like average would be great. I guess they've they've done such a great job at managing <laughs> with with a limited half court offense. That you yeah, and like some of these pa- interior <laughs> passing plays with like Scotty and Thad and Boucher, like they're so impressive because they happen within like twelve. Like there's a twelve foot triangle of, of Raptors. And that doesn't happen in the NBA anymore. Like, like, uh, like reminds you of the '80s almost. Like the the rapid passing within a small place. But and it's great they can make these passes. But you know, against the best defenses in the league, you know, mm-hmm. I'm concerned that and uh, you know, space closes down on you. And, and yeah, so I mean, that's not surprising given the given the composition of this roster, but it definitely, if that doesn't improve, puts a hard cap on what they can do uh, in April uh, and, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe May. Uh, Just to to wrap this up, the rest of the way, uh, the Raptors have 13 road games, 12 home games, all of which may be able to be played in front of a full arena. Uh, I feel many ways about that, uh, but the Raptors are excited, so that's good. Um, but despite that relatively even home and road split, 11 of the first 15 games after the break are on the road. Uh, so those, uh, particularly the that first trip, which comes against the ninth, 10th, and 8th seeds, uh, Charlotte, Atlanta, Brooklyn, and then a, a home game against mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Those will be rather big games. Uh, overall, though, their average uh, opponent winning percentage is 48.6 or 486, uh, which is one of the easier schedules in the league. So there's there's an element of this isn't too tough of a schedule, but also there's a lot of pressure on them coming right out of mm-hmm. the gate. So mm-hmm. and yeah, it's also they crazy need to be healthy that, like, they, and won't... they need to be ready. And they won't play their next home game until March. Yeah, March 1st. Um, That's wild. The way that this this road trip spans the break and then after the break. It's a while. They have three, It'll they be have crazy three home games and then they have a six-game road trip, um, four of which I'll be on, hopefully, if I don't get sick. Um, before we get to the All-Star and some questions, I'm going to give you like 90 second, seconds to talk about DeMar DeRozan. I appreciate that. Uh DeMar DeRozan. I, I wish I could say what you had written in your in your in your uh I can say it. I he is uh thir- he's the first player in NBA history to score thirty-five plus points uh with at least fifty percent field goal percentage in all of the games in seven straight games. Oh, I have the rundown in front of me. I mostly meant um what oh, you referred to him as. Yeah. There were there were many uh 
celebratory curses in 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 Demar's name. Yes. <laughs> yes, he, you wrote his name in a way I had never seen, but I think he would approve. The freaking Mar, uh, yeah, he's the been freaking, freaking Rosen, uh, except <laughs> with uh, expletives instead of uh, TBS or TNT dubs. But he's been freaking good he's been incredible uh i it's so fun to me to see bulls writers bloggers fans members of bulls twitter you know all kind of uniting to be like this has been such a joy and like every game we've gotten to watch from him this season has been a gift because that's how i have felt about tamar DeRozan his entire career even when things haven't gone as planned in postseason matchups i'm thrilled for him he has been incredible uh, gosh, the Bulls have had such a fun season and then have just been hit with so many really unfortunate injuries and are managing injuries right now. You know, Levine is out because of a knee thing. He's expected to play an all-star, but it's just I hope that people can stay healthy, come back and get healthy. I really want to see what they could do. I do not want to see the Raptors play the Bulls or the Heat in the first round, so that's fun. Um, well, there's a good chance yeah. they'll play one of them <laughs> if they if they make it there. But Demar has been incredible, and um, he's the MVP of my heart. Uh, and I put him in, in the straw poll uh, from ESPN's Tim Bonton. Um, I put him fifth on my fictional MVP ballot uh, at this point of the year. I love it. He's number one on mine. Um, okay. Um, I mean, in my heart. Yeah, no, I know. Um, uh, just for any... It's awesome. Yeah. I like, had, what uh, else yeah, can you I say? I had Jokic, uh, Embiid, Giannis, Chris Paul, DeMar DeRozan. Uh, Ooh. Anyway, they've all been very good. And Chris has been great. Um, His fourth quarters? Yeah, he's good. Ridiculous. Uh, and just to wrap up the DeMar section, Kevin Durant tweeted this morning, thank you for setting a great example and playing the game with supreme skill, DeMar DeRozan. Um, which is uh, oh, I didn't see yeah. that. That's so lovely. Um, yeah, Twitter can be okay sometimes. Uh, There's a GQ cover story of Demar that I haven't read yet. I'm saving it for when I'm fully done work. Yeah, leading into the weekend. Uh, but he talks about calling Kyle and crying after the yeah. trade. I, I read Ooh. a good story. Um, and oh, you did. I'm okay, always, great. Always nice to see Demar get some pub. Uh, quickly before we get to some questions. All-Star Weekend predictions. Uh, before I just say who's in the skills competition, I actually have a description of what the skills competition is. Um, oh, wow. okay. So that can allow us to, you know, make or not make an informed guess here. Uh, so the format, <laughs> each of the three teams will compete in three rounds, shooting, passing, and a relay. In the shooting game, each player will shoot from five different spots on the court to score as many points as they can in 30 seconds. In the passing game, the teams will have to hit passes into oversized moving targets to score points. The relay is similar in format to what the individual skills challenge involved in previous years with a mix of passing, dribbling, and shooting. After the three rounds, the two teams with the most points will advance to the final round, which is a race to make a half-court shot, which is, I mean, really a stupid way. The half-court shot is way too easy for the... It's it's simultaneously way too easy and way too random to, like, actually determine a competition that you're supposed to take seriously, and maybe you're just not supposed to take it seriously. Um, also, the, the teams... I want to know how the teams came to be, but Anyway, continue. so there are Team Cavaliers, Jarrett Allen, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley, Team Antetokounmpo, Alex, Giannis, and Thanasis, and Team Rooks, 
Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, Josh Giddy. Who are you taking? I'm taking Rooks, but don't think it's because it's this is a Raptors pod. It's because I love rookies and I love all three of these players. And Josh Giddy, whoo, three triple doubles in a row. Yeah, is he? Uh, where is he on the All Hair team? And is he first team All Hair right now? He's in. First of all, he's an incredible player. No, that's, I, that's fine. I get caught up in that, but he looks like he could star in a CW teen drama. Like his hair is perfect. Um. I'll take the rookies too, um, because uh, I, I basically think Josh Giddy's going to kill the <coughs> passing competition. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, I want to know how they came up with these three teams. It just seems so random. Yeah, whatever. I don't. I anyway, mean, I, I've always thought this. Any all versions of this event have been lacking, except that one year in Toronto when, like, I, I think uh-huh. it was Carl Towns who won it, and it was, like, a big man bracket and a small, and, like, a guard mm-hmm, bracket, mm-hmm, and, like, mm-hmm. all of the bigs, like, mobbed Carl Towns when, when, yeah. they won, when he won. Uh, and excuse that me if it wa- was the Yeah, coolest. excuse me if it wasn't Towns, I think it was. Um, anyway, uh, that, sh- that shows you how much I care about the skills competition. Uh, I used to love the skills comp, but I have no recollection of who wins. I can't even remember who won- wins the three-point from yeah. the years. So. Uh, we'll go to the dunk contest since there are no Raptors in that one. Um, I will go from the player with the best odds to the worst odds. Uh, we got Jalen Green, uh, Obi Toppin, Cole Anthony, and Juan Toscano Anderson. Who's winning? Uh, I think Jalen Green's going to win, but I'm going with Cole Anthony only because I want the, the interview. The interview at the end, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm taking Green as well, but the most memeable moment will almost certainly belong to Cole Anthony. Uh, he he will be a great showman. Um, three point contest. Uh, the two favorites, according to the article on the Athletic I'm reading now, uh, are subscribe to yeah, the Patty Mills and Fred Van Vliet, co favorites. Um, oh, I was going to say, uh, continue. Um, and then going in descending order from there, Trey Young, Desmond Bain, Zach Levine, Luke Kennard, CJ McCollum, and Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, I was going to say Patty Mills. I did not know that he was a favorite, but I was going to say Patty Mills or Kennard. Uh, I'm taking CJ. I don't know. He's good. <laughs> He's very good. <laughs> he was very good the other night against the Raptors. <laughs> That's my analysis. He's good. <laughs> Um, and then you want to pick an all-star game MVP? I don't know. Do you have a pick? I'm picking Giannis. Uh, because he's just, can put up 35 and 20 on, well, not 20, because there won't be 20 whole missed shots in the game, but 35 and, uh, (laughs) you know, 12 was on like fifteen for fifteen shooting, I don't know who the MVP last year was. That's what I mean. I can't remember let's, these things. But was it him last year? Uh, well, let's look. Two thousand twenty-one NBA All Star MVP was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, yeah, I thought so. So I'll okay. pick him. So sure. Two thousand twenty was Kawhi Leonard, which seems like really weird that, that Kawhi like Leonard that actually won an, an All Star MVP. It seems like the last thing that he would win. Uh, Kevin Durant in two thousand nineteen. 2020 was that the was that the Kyle Lowry charge year charge yes. yeah 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 that was great yeah, right before the pandemic hit um oh. okay so few quick questions before we get out of here um <clears throat> we got a question and she sent me the way to pronounce her name last week and now I forget so I I apologize deeply Ania Aww. Ania 
I'm sorry. Please send me the pronunciation of your name every week. Uh, you send in a question because I am I I'm just terrible with names. Uh, she says failing to articulate this well today. Please reword if needed. Um, but first, <laughs> she is she is definitely on in my on my same page as yeah, me today. First, build two Raptors only skills challenge teams. One from the current roster and one from February oh, wow. 2016 when the Raptors hosted the All-Star game. And then, if pitted together, which team would win? <laughs> so, uh, Oh, wow. This is incredible. So, so first, you pick the team from this this year, and I will look at the 2016 roster uh, and pick that team. And then we will uh, decide who wins. Are there any requirements? Like, can it be any three players yes. from this year's team? Okay, so I'm going to say Scotty, Fred, and OG. So you're not putting the li- the name literally, the guy literally nicknamed P-Skills in the skills competition. That's correct. <laughs> because he needs rest. I said he needs rest. Uh, so, so you're just doing it for his benefit. You're not, you're not going all in to win this game. Uh, well... I still think that they'll. Well, I don't know who you. I don't know who I'm competing against, but I think I feel good about this. Group. Okay, so I'm going with Demar and Kyle, uh, and then with my third pick, uh, I'll I'll narrow it down here. We've got Lucas Nogueira. We could put him in there. Uh, wow. We could put Jonas in there. We could put Corey Joseph in there. Um, Damari Carroll in there. James Johnson. Uh, Terrence Ross. I think I'm going Corey Joseph. Uh, I, I think that gives you the best chance of winning. Um, I think I would have went Terrence Ross. Well, for the shooter. Because he has a lot of experience yeah. with all-star events. Yeah, but you'd uh, have to pass. Let's be real. Damari Carroll would not have been available. He oh, wow. Wow. That, well, I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm just saying, like, he would have been. Um, yeah. We loved Damari. God. So I think I'm picking, the, uh, I'm picking this year's team in that in, – and that I think, even with OG, yeah, because you said it should have been passed. Yeah, I mean it should have been. Well, I didn't say. I just questioned you. I didn't say what it should or shouldn't have been. I would never, as a millennial, I would never commit to uh, calling you right <laughs> or wrong. Oh my goodness! Okay, who do you think wins? That was a great question. Like an a yeah, really no, she put so question. much thought into it that I had to answer it. I love it. Um, Ali Abassi. Um, asks, isn't using Scotty Barnes as a low usage center in our lineup a waste of his talent and a danger to his development? Last night showed us how much he has in terms of half-court creation and develop- developing that set of skills uh, could help us with that problem. Uh, do you have a immediate answer to that one? I do not. Um, do you? I will say that Using him as exclusively a low usage center would be a hindrance right. to his development, but because he gets so many opportunities as a playmaker, uh, especially when Fred Van Vliet isn't on the floor, I, I think that's limited. Like, a, like it, it is helpful for him to develop a knack to get his own opportunities when plays aren't run through him, and it is also useful to give him those reps as a one of the primary playmakers on the floor. And, and I think like 
I totally understand what Ali is saying, which is why, like, I don't get mad when somebody says, well, what if we started Ken Birch in his place? Like, I think of, I think shifting that slightly to Scotty plays a bit more of his minutes without the starting, the rest of the starters. Like, I think I would be for that. I don't think, I don't think it's a, I don't think, yeah, yeah, I don't think it's a huge issue, but I think like if we're shifting two or three of his 30 or 35 minutes to a more primary role, like I would lean that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would lean toward that. So I mean, that's, it's a very minute shift, but that's the way I would go. Yeah, that makes sense. I I think for me, uh, I think like this season, um, the biggest thing is just getting Scotty opportunities in in all areas, in every in every aspect. Uh, like you, I do think that it probably benefits him most when he isn't with the starters because sometimes when he is with them, you notice him taking a backseat to let them, you know, run the show, which is completely understandable, but... Yeah, it would be it would be nice to see. But him. I do think like those minutes are key because like I do see him chilling in the no, he's chilling in the corner a little too and, much. Um, which yep. and that's an opportunity to learn how to move with the without the ball a bit better. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's something as like you know even if he becomes a much better shooter, it's hard to see a world in which he is like an elite elite shooter. Let's not put a cap on him right now, but like he's certainly starting from a low enough place where you don't accept expect him to become that um him learning to move without the ball and create opportunities for himself by moving without the ball is an important part of that development so uh those minutes aren't lost uh but i i as i've said i would love to see him more as the screener in a pick and roll uh even in those starting groups uh, i'd love to see some pascal scotty Pick and rolls, although those get negated because it's awfuler, oft, oftler, often similar type players who are guarding those two players. So you don't necessarily get a huge mismatch in, in that sort of setup. Um, but yeah, I think this, the spirit of this question, I, I sort of agree with that we could stand to see a bit. And by a bit, I mean a bit, just a little more time with Scotty in the... Uh, in a more of a player making role. Uh, finally, Thomas asks, I hate to be so forward thinking, but what do you think is a realistic path to getting more shooting next season? Um, I think the answer is simple. It's probably the mid-level exception. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't gone through a whole list, but there aren't a huge number of cap level teams next season. Uh, there are not, there are virtually no like glamorous cap level teams um or, or cap space teams rather so the mid-level exception is going to be pretty valuable uh, and the raptors can really target a player who gives them uh help we'll see how much stomach they have for taking on future money how long that mid-level deal which will be able to start around 10 million dollars can be um but you know given that their own free agents the the two guys who you're most targeting mm-hmm. at bringing back maybe are Thad Young and Chris Boucher who don't really address that i i think the mid level has to be used to uh address that agreed for sure uh so that's it thanks for the questions as always oh. uh holly we and i will probably be taking next week off uh given we set up the post-All-Star break within that will come to you after the first four games 
of this uh, of the post All Star break. Again, those are Charlotte, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Uh, Holly, enjoy All Star weekend, yeah. and thanks uh, for joining me. Yeah, you enjoy your weekend too. Hope the back feels better soon. Yeah, I will just be uh, lying here on the floor. <laughs> uh, just, just. Are you gonna do anything? Like, are you gonna watch anything or read anything? Uh, well, we have uh, our our film club uh, movie to watch this week, uh, which that is sounds so uh, fancy. Didn't know you were in a. Film I think I've club. mentioned this before, um, but it, it's uh, my wife and I and uh, my friend Lindsay and uh, her fiance. Uh, for like the last year and like four months, we've had a film club, uh, and, and like we take term turns picking it and then hop on a zoom at some point do you watch new movies old movies Uh, everybody can choose whatever they want um so i've picked a movie i've already seen this week but i've forgotten mostly about it which is a serious man from the cole uh the cohen brothers uh okay i have no recollection i don't know what it's Um, about well i i anyway i'm looking forward to that i just got uh a Secret History, which you recommended by Donna Tart. Is Ooh, that what that book is called? Secret okay. History? Yep. Um, the Secret History. So yeah. I, I am reading that and uh, going to see some family, hopefully in a safe way. And uh, that is the plan. Fantastic. Well, enjoy it. And I hope everybody listening gets to enjoy their break from NBA games each night for the next week. Ha- Holly, well. thank you. Listeners, thank you. Uh, hopefully everybody can decompress, take some time off, uh, (laughs) Raptors Twitter maybe, and we'll see ya in a few weeks. See ya! See ya!